Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you had a good weekend. Wow, we're bracing for winter weather this week. We'll talk about that with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Also going to get a Washington update today. Lots to talk about with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. And things are booming for sorghum growers. We'll talk with the CEO of the National Sorghum Producers, Tim Lust, coming up on today's program about uh, opportunities right now for sorghum growers. But there's a lot in the news. We're going to start things off with Sarah Wyand, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mike. It's a wonderful, sunny Monday. Uh, we're bracing for a really cool Tuesday. <laughs> it's <so laughs> yeah. crazy this time of year, that all that spring weather. That's for sure. Well, it looks like, I mean, we've been talking about this for some time, uh, uh, what might be coming from the Biden administration when it comes to climate policies. We're going to get uh, soon, it looks like, an even um, more, maybe a few more details. Is the president expected to uh, issue this pledge to cut America's greenhouse gas emissions over the next next decade? Plans on hosting a, a global climate summit. But the big question for agriculture is, what's that going to mean for agriculture, what is he going to uh, expect USDA to do? Is this voluntary, mandatory? Uh, we're about to maybe find out a few more answers maybe to some of those questions. That's right, Mike. And we probably won't get a lot of details, but we're going to get a lot better direction later this week when the President Joe Biden hosts an online summit with global leaders Thursday and Friday. Keep in mind, this is the week of Earth Day, April 22nd. So this all evolves around having this global presence of uh, committing the U.S. back to the Paris Accord and trying to uh, seek commitments all around the world for our, uh, trying to reduce greenhouse gases. We don't know exactly what the president is going to announce, but we're going to be watching closely to see not only what the levels are that he will announce, but uh, how quickly he will try to attain those levels and then what it will mean for agriculture. Uh, we watched on Friday as uh, the nomination for Robert Bonney to be the head of FPAC, uh, overseeing both Natural Resources Conservation Service and, and FSA. And so uh, Robert is a climate czar. He's uh, very well liked by a lot of folks in the ag community. And so, you know, that is another, I think, uh, sign that the White House is very serious about naming people who are going to implement their climate agenda along with Secretary Vilsack. And uh, we're seeing a lot of other folks leading in on the private sector. Uh, and I think that's one thing that folks can't ignore. You know, we think that government is going to provide a lot of the answers here. And, and in this case, we've got over 300 corporations who are already signed up to um, make commitments on climate and they're pushing the administration to be very strong and cutting its carbon emissions in half by 2030 compared to 25, well, 20, 2005 levels. So you've got to watch the private sector and their actions as they demand things down to the supply chain as well as these government actions. 
Yeah, setting goals, one thing. How you get there, that's another. Meanwhile, Congress is working on some climate bills, too. That's right. You know, we've talked a lot, and our summit in March was focused on what is happening on climate policy. And this week, we expect to see Senate Ag Committee Chairman Debbie Stabenow come out with the latest version of the Growing Climate Solutions Act. She's worked in a very bipartisan fashion with Senator Mike Vaughn of Indiana and also ranking member Bozeman on trying to get something that is a very clear-cut start on agriculture's role in climate by providing uh, additional technical tools. And you probably saw that on the House Ag Committee that several members who were trying to submit their own views on what we could do on climate policy uh, didn't seem to be as much urgency, but still you've got people like Rodney Davis out of Illinois who are suggesting the need for more technical assistance. And so I think there are a lot of folks moving this boat in the same direction, but as always, the devil's in the details on what that might entail. And we've already heard that the climate uh, policies and issues, environmental protections could play a part in future trade deals that uh, our government gets involved in. So all this is going to be tied together, it looks like. Yes, we um, had a lot of conversations after USTR Chief Catherine Tai uh, issued a speech last week where she clearly talked about the intersection between climate and trade policy. And Bill Thompson will be looking into that a little bit more in depth on what it means for our newsletter this week, because I, I do think it is, as uh, President Biden has said early on in his administration, it's going to be an all-government approach to tackling climate. So we're, uh, we've been, we've, we've seen this coming, and now we're getting closer to it. But yeah, you're right. We're still waiting for some of the details, and that's that's where we're really going to come down. We've known all along there's that rub could be voluntary or mandatory. How, what's the approach? That's what we're really waiting to see. We really are. And then what are the incentives? You know, if companies are willing to pay farmers uh, over a long term to uh, make sure that they're improving soil health and uh, sequestering carbon and reducing methane and, and the dairy operations, you know, maybe there's some additional revenue streams. But there's so much we don't know yet, Mike. There's just there's a lack of uh, consistent measurement. There's a lack of understanding, I think, in some places about how uh, different practices will work in different parts of the country. And so uh, definitely a call for more research and understanding of what we're doing before we can probably generate significant new revenue Meanwhile, you're going to host a very interesting online summit to hear coming up very soon. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, we just uh, we have a one-hour webinar on April 23rd at 11 o'clock Eastern Time, 10 Central, and this is lifting up a topic that really, really is getting a lot of traction out in agricultural circles, and that is the subject of diversity and uh, inclusion and equity. Uh, we wrote an article about how agribs are faring in this area in, in last August, and it has generated so much conversation. So we're going to have four different experts, uh, along with House Ag Committee Chairman David Scott, talking about what we can do in terms of improvement in this area. Uh, there's so, so many people that 
really want to be solution-oriented, but they're not quite sure what to do. So, uh, yeah, we welcome anybody to uh, sign in. It's uh, a link on the right-hand rail of our website. It's a free webinar, and I think just we'll give some people opportunities to listen and get some other ideas on diversity, equity, and inclusion. All right, very good. Sarah, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Have a good week. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Sarah Wyatt, editor, president of AgriPulse Communications. Weather very much in the news. Cold weather, snow through much of the country this week. We'll talk it over with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. I've been farming my whole life. I don't need somebody to come out here and state the obvious. I don't need anybody to explain my farm to me. My local co-op works with CHS, and they know what I need when I need it. A global network of support. Local expertise. And valuable market options. We need a co-op that's here for us. So we can own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. 
They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, before we talk weather with DTN senior meteorologist Bryce Anderson, perhaps I should put out the disclaimer to not blame the messenger. Right, Bryce? Uh, <laughs> we may not like what you're going to tell us for this week, so we won't blame you. But uh, what, what are we seeing? Uh, we keep hearing cold and snow. How much? How widespread? Well, Mike, the, the snowfall is going to, you know, be several inches uh, in a spring event over an area from about west central Iowa, northwest, uh, through uh, part of South Dakota into Montana. Uh, northern Nebraska is going to get in on that uh, event as well. Uh, it certainly is uh, difficult, you know, to think about because here we are in April and everybody wants to be real busy. But um, it is not completely out of the question that snow uh, develops during the month of April. April is a real quirky month. I think the uh, bigger uh, part of that picture is that it is just going to be uh, terrifically cold for the season, uh, clear into the Texas Panhandle, and then uh, with a, a broad uh, uh, area of that cold air extending northeast clear to Lake Michigan, uh, catching uh, some pretty um, developing uh, winter wheat areas in the southern plains and in the southern Midwest, uh, the soft red winter wheat crop there. So there could be some damage uh, to winter wheat. Now, I, I am one who uh, takes a, a pretty cautious view of the prospect for cold weather damage uh, when it comes to the winter wheat crop because we know how resilient that crop is. However, uh, there is a fair portion of the Texas crop that is headed out now around, uh, what, 25 26%, probably a little bit more because that number was a week ago. Uh, the Oklahoma crop is moving through its development phases. Part of the um, Midwest uh, soft red winter wheat crop is as well. And so uh, because of that, uh, with temperatures that are going to be around 30 degrees and, and probably colder than that and approaching record cold in some uh, areas, there is a real damage potential. And uh, so it is certainly going to be a, an issue. And then along with that, uh, if there's corn that's emerged to the point mm -hmm. that the growing point is above the uh, surface of the, of the ground, then you have the threat of some uh, frost damage on early corn development as well. And so there are certainly a number of facets uh, that uh, bear concern uh, when we think about this cold wave that we have. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of concern, that's for sure. Uh, but also, on the positive side, some moisture for some people needing it. Well, there's going to be some uh, precipitation. I think that uh, the, the uh, majority of uh, precipitation is going to be in the eastern Midwest, southeastern plains, and then into the delta and the southeast. Uh, the the uh, hardest hit uh, dry areas of the northern plains, I'm afraid, are going to get bypassed. 
by uh, most of the moisture that uh, we see from uh, from what we're getting. Uh, there's going to be some marginal benefit in parts of South Dakota, uh, but uh, there's uh, there still is uh, just a, a big swath of the northern plains and the Canadian prairies, very dry, and uh, it doesn't appear that there's a whole lot of moisture that's going to be uh, developing in uh, that very dry area of West Texas as well, the Panhandle and then through the the uh, High Plains area of Texas uh, really is uh, chronically dry at this point. Yeah, some of those dry areas just can't seem to catch a break this year. All right, so when we talk cold, what kind of uh, lows are we talking about some of these areas? Well, we're going to see a lot of low temperatures in the uh, mid to upper 20s. And uh, for this month, uh, for this time of the season, that is, uh, you know, well below normal. Uh, there's a hard freeze warning in the Texas Panhandle. Uh, for tonight into Tuesday, and then, like I say, that uh, freeze threat extends all the way north into southern Michigan. Uh, there could also be uh, some pretty heavy uh, uh, snowfall in the western high plains in Colorado. Uh, the uh, the cold is uh, going to just kind of be a feature uh, throughout the first half of the week as far as the uh, freezing uh, category on uh, the low temperatures is concerned. And then the balance of the week, Mike, uh, we're going to have a little bit of a moderation, but still well below normal. In fact, um, for the uh, U.S. east of the Rockies, uh, there's a lot of uh, below normal temperatures in store. And uh, the takeaway that, that I get uh, from that, besides the, the possible uh, freeze threat uh, to, uh, to crops, is that uh, it simply is going to be uh, kind of a slower time period uh, for getting field work going because it is going to take some time after this event uh, for the ground to warm up enough to uh, to be able to uh, you know have a good environment for uh, trying to uh, get planting back in uh, back in gear and so that's going to be a real slowdown uh, element there. So when does that warm up begin? Do we? We start warming up this into this week, into next week. When does that start? Well, when we, when we talk about warming, it, it is a, a relative term because uh, it's not going to be as chilly uh, during the balance of this week as um, as we are going to see during the uh, next couple days. But uh, we're going to see the low temperatures uh, still in the mid-30s to the low 40s at the end of the week uh, through the weekend. And then uh, the daytime uh, highs, maybe we'll get into the low to mid-60s with uh, next week's uh, low temperatures in the uh, mid-40s over much of the eastern Midwest and then in the western Midwest and uh, in much of the plains still kind of hanging around that uh, upper 30s to low 40s bracket. Uh, temperatures uh, during the daytime are going to get back into the 60s uh, east of the Mississippi during next week, but uh, kind of struggling to get out of the uh, 50s into the low 60s uh, during next week west of the Mississippi. And it still is uh, going to be a, a uh, fairly, like I say, a, a little bit of a lag in terms of uh, getting things back into condition for, you know, for some uh, real widespread uh, fieldwork activity after this cold wave. How does May look? Well, the month of May is looking uh, fairly normal on temperatures, and 
uh, precipitation. Uh, so I think that May is going to be a pretty good month as far as its uh, impact on uh, field work. But, um, you know, with this uh, slowdown that we are having now in late April, uh, that's going to keep uh, planting from being a, a real uh, early event, obviously, uh, when uh, we get through the month of May. All right. So, wow, we're going to be talking about this for a while. Uh, for those waiting to get started planting and for those with the concerns about what they've already planted, we'll be watching closely. All right. What's the update on South America? Well, there's still nothing uh, of any real note for the uh, winter corn areas in Brazil when it comes to precipitation, particularly South Central Brazil, um, the uh, states of Paraná, Mar Grosso do Sul, uh, into Rio Grande do Sul. Uh, the, um, the forecast uh, has very little in the way of rainfall, maybe an inch at the very outside uh, during the next uh, seven days. Mato Grosso may see an inch and a half to two inches of rainfall. Temperatures are staying above normal in Brazil, and this crop is uh, still facing an environment where corn is headed for pollination at about the same time that the dry season is going to get underway. And uh, that is, of course, still to be determined, but the average date of the onset of the dry season in Brazil over the past uh, 30 years has been right around the 8th of May. And uh, that's about, what, two and a half weeks away. So there's not very much time for rainfall to uh, develop uh, to help things out. And uh, once the dry season in Brazil begins, that is, that's why uh, the dry season is called the dry season, because it hardly ever rains. They have the, uh, the rainy and the dry and there's uh, not a whole lot of a happy medium in that. And so there still is a lot of uh, concern about what kind of an impact that could have on this winter corn crop. All right. So weather challenges in both South America and, of course, uh, right here in the United States. Again, uh, we won't, won't blame the messenger. We just may not like the message, Bryce. But uh, thanks, thanks for the update. Good to talk to you, Mike. Thank you. All right, take care. DTN Senior Meteorologist Bryce Anderson with a uh, wintry forecast for much of the U.S. here this coming week. All right, lots of issues, lots of things to talk about with our next guest. Iowa Senator Charles Grassley joins us. We've got a Washington update. So much going on with uh, some things being worked on in Congress, proposals made by the Biden administration. We'll cover it all coming up next with Senator Grassley right here on AOA. Stay with us. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit 
that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. U.S. farmers are facing another week of cold weather with potential freezing temperatures and snow across the U.S. wheat and corn belts. While Brazilian farmers are facing dryness across some of their second crop corn regions, China is busy taking up Brazilian beans. On the Board of Trade, May soybeans trading nine and three quarters of a cent higher at 1443 and three quarters. The July contract up nine and a fraction at 1432. May corn trading seven cents higher at five ninety two and a half cent. The July contract up seven cents at five eighty and three quarters. For the wheat, Chicago wheat may up two and a half cent at six fifty five. Kansas City wheat may up three and a fraction at six twelve and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat may up two and a half cent at six sixty six and three quarters. The July contract up two and three quarters at six seventy four. Cattle futures have fallen seven consecutive trading days, pushing the market into an oversold condition, even though cash cattle traded steady to a dollar higher last week. Raising feed costs and poor exports were the overriding factor. The trend is turning lower for the time being. Packers will use this to their advantage and likely only want to purchase cattle at a steady price this week, despite very strong box beef prices last week. August live cattle trading 85 cents lower at 118.30. The June contract down 75 at 118. For feeder cattle, the August contract down 230 at 152.25. The September contract down 232 at 153.87. For lean hogs, the June contract up 80 cents at 102.50. The July contract up 52 at 101.22. In the outside markets, the Dow is up 164 points, the Nasdaq composite down 117, the S&P 500 down 21. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma. Not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, we look forward to our monthly visits with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Senator, thanks for joining us. How are you? 
Well, I'm kind of surprised. You said monthly. It's like I feel like I talk to you every week, but obviously I don't. But I'm <laughs> glad to talk to you. I'm glad to talk to you whenever I can. We appreciate it. Uh, this week, we're expecting the president to uh, issue a pledge to cut America's greenhouse gas emissions over the next decade, and he's going to host evidently a global climate summit. Uh, kind of, we're wondering what he's going to commit us to and how this is going to impact, say, agriculture and what he's going to uh, expect USDA to uh, do as far as uh, meet these goals and standards that will be they'll be setting. Uh, what are your thoughts? What are your concerns? My concerns are to what extent will he give credit to the large number of farmers that for decades have been doing no-till, uh, minimum till, more recently cover crops, and probably a lot of other things to incorporate uh, carbon already that probably uh, they, uh, they ought to take into consideration. Uh, since agriculture is so high in energy use, I'd be concerned about what extent he thinks that uh, farmers can produce, 2% uh, of the farmers produce food for the other 98% of the people and still um, uh, adjust accordingly and, uh, and not uh, be able to be as efficient as they otherwise are. Uh, another thing that I think they ought to take into consideration is what farmers have accomplished short of minimum till, uh, I mean, in addition to minimum till, cover crops, and no-till, is what we have done to produce so many more bushels per acre uh, in an efficient manner that has already cut down on the energy use that farmers use in their actual farming operations. And yet, we're a very high energy thing. Another thing I'm glad about, and I don't know if this will affect him, but I think he listens to environmentalists uh, a great deal, maybe uh, almost everything they say. But I also read that some environmental groups are coming out against the carbon uh, tax, which would, uh, if, if he backs that up, that takes a big load off of those of us uh, responsible for representing farmers uh, to the extent to which we won't have to fight that issue. What about the push towards electric vehicles in his proposal so far? Do you feel he's uh, kind of overlooking biofuels and the role that biofuels can play in achieving these goals? Oh, well, let me tell you how much he overlooks it. If you have 100% of the cars uh, by 2035 that uh, uh, have to be electric vehicles and half of them sold by 2025 to be, you can imagine that's going to put most of the people that work at ethanol plants out of uh, out of business. Uh, it cuts down on petroleum. You mix the ethanol products with it. In the meantime, though, I've been told that he's going to be highly reliant upon biofuels. But the end result is catastrophic to uh, agriculture. So we continue to watch that. We're talking with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Let's get your thoughts on the infrastructure proposal. There's a lot in it that's not infrastructure, at least not by what most of us would define infrastructure as. And there's also a lot of concerns about how it's going to be paid for. What are your thoughts? Well, if it's uh, just roads and bridges you're talking about, only 5% of it goes to that. 
if you throw in things like broadband and airports and locks and dams, you might get a fourth of it uh, being for infrastructure. But when you have $400 billion in it for, let's say, expanding Medicaid, then obviously that's not infrastructure. He wants us to believe it is infrastructure by calling it human infrastructure. But I think uh, when I think of of uh, infrastructure, you spend a dollar today to build a highway, and you might not have to uh, bulldoze that highway up 40 years from now to replace it because it's worn out. It's things like that where you spend a dollar today and you don't spend that same dollar tomorrow. But in the case of what they call human infrastructure, that ought to go through the regular appropriation process. But no, they are using the word infrastructure, which has a lot of bipartisan support, to sneak a lot of other things in that aren't infrastructure, just like they did in the one and nine-tenths trillion dollar bill that... Uh, uh, that they passed a month ago that was about 10% fighting the pandemic and 90% uh, on everything else that they could get passed just because uh, we had to do something for the pandemic. So getting back to your question about paying for it, uh, I can only give you two simple answers. One, the gas tax, which traditionally has been used for highways. The other one would be... Uh, taking a lot of money that's in the one and nine-tenths trillion dollars that doesn't start spending out until 2022 and some of the dollars don't spend out for another six or seven years, we ought to divert that money uh, to paying for the uh, infrastructure bill. What about these proposals to raise the corporate tax rate from 21 to 28 percent? That kind of goes with the infrastructure plan. And then beyond that, we're hearing these uh, uh, you know, the talk about changing stepped-up bases and uh, the estate tax, these are big concerns for agriculture. What are you seeing and hearing, and what should we be uh, bracing for on these tax fronts? Well, <clears throat> if you do away with stepped-up bases and with uh, reducing the allotment or the credit for uh, exemption for estate tax, then you're going to make it difficult to pass on to the family farm. Uh, so you that's pretty obvious to people. That comes up, I'll bet that came up in half of the 24, more than half of the 24 county meetings I had during the last Easter recess where I was in those 24 counties. So there's a lot of concern out there among agriculture uh, for that. In regard to the, uh, the other issue, uh, I, I think that... Uh, the corporate tax was reduced from 35 down to 21 because we were uncompetitive in international trade. And it's made us much more competitive, and we ought to want to be able to compete on a level playing field with the rest of the industrial world that has an average of corporate tax of about 22 or 23 percent. So we're doing well there. We had $3 trillion parked overseas because why would people bring it home if you had to pay 35%? But by reducing it to 21%, we've had one and six-tenths trillion dollars come home, and it's, uh, it's, it's helped build up more employment. Another thing, if you raise the corporate tax, about 25% of it 
is going to affect the wages or the employment of people that work for those corporations. So why would you want to cut down on the salaries of people that work uh, on the assembly lines? And why would you want to uh, put a lot of people out of work? Because uh, corporations don't really pay taxes. People pay taxes. So some of it's going to come out of the wages of the people. And the entire tax bill of 2017 raised the average family wage uh, of four in a family about $4,900. How much can you stop of these proposals or or can the uh, the Democrats and the administration push through whatever they want, basically? Well, uh, only on reconciliation, and that was used in 2017 and then used this year on the one and nine tenths trillion dollar COVID package. So it isn't used very often, but if they use uh, reconciliation, uh, which has a lot of tough rules they got to go by, so you can't use it on everything, and and Democrats stick together. But I would think that there's, uh, then of course they could get it passed. Uh, but I would hope that there's a lot of rural Democrats representing agriculture that just wouldn't have guts enough to change the estate tax and do away with the stepped up basis. We hear about a Senate climate bill. Is it going to be a bipartisan bill? Not the way it's written right now, but uh, w we haven't seen the details of it. I think there's some things that you could do for the agriculture department to give them authority to set up a process where farmers could benefit from uh, carbon credits uh, for polluters that would rather, instead of cleaning up their business, they'd like to pay other people that are have good uh, environmental practices and carbon sequestration to pay farmers for it. And I'm a, I'm a co-sponsor of Senator Braun's bill that would set up that procedure. How soon do you think we'll see something passed on climate? It won't be before August and maybe later on because I think they got too much on their agenda right now. Unless you are including electric vehicles, uh, as an example, in the in the proposed uh, infrastructure bill, that'll probably be passed uh, uh, for sure by the summer. But if you're talking about other uh, anti-global uh, warming or global warming legislation, then I think that that would be later on. All right, Senator, we'll watch it closely. Thank you for your thoughts and perspective. We appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Good to be with you. Thank you. Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. A lot to watch there. All right, up next, things are booming right now for sorghum producers. We'll talk with the CEO of the National Sorghum Producers, Tim Lust, next here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Clean. Wash hands and utensils to avoid spreading bacteria when preparing food. Separate. 
use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Cook! You can't tell it's done by how it looks. Always use a food thermometer. Chill! Keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to chill. First, keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Use an appliance thermometer to be sure things are cool. Then, chill leftovers and takeout foods within two hours and divide food into shallow containers for fast cooling. And always thaw meat, poultry, and seafood in the fridge, not on the counter, and never overstuff the fridge. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. One of the higher risk aspects of farming is crop protection application. With label changes, regulations, equipment maintenance, and drift management, it's a lot of risk. And a great way to manage it is to rely on your local FS and FS crop applicators. They constantly train to keep up with the latest label changes, regulations, and best practices. So your crop is protected and risks reduced. Contact your local FS to learn more about our custom application programs. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system, from global market access to local expertise. We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. 
We understand what it's like to be in the cab at Harvest wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanting.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Business is booming for sorghum growers. Joining us now is Tim Luss, CEO of the National Sorghum Producers. Tim, thanks for joining us. Uh, kind of nice to be talking about record-breaking sales numbers, right? Well, it is, and uh, certainly uh, the numbers out on Thursday uh, were, were impressive from our industry standpoint, and I know not ever... Buddy can say that, but um, certainly big numbers last week in in terms of both uh, uh, shipments as well as sales. Yeah, not only is your business good, but prospects for future sales look pretty good. You know, they they really are. When we look at uh, you know where we're at in terms of that, um, you know, we're probably somewhere ten to twenty percent of our crop uh, that hadn't gone, most of which has not gone in the ground yet, it's already sold and. Uh, continue to to see very strong weekly weekly sales moving into new crop and so that's very positive and and obviously that's with the projected 18 percent increase in acres uh and we're, we're still seeing that kind of demand pull and and basis levels uh still still holding very strong so certainly a message there that uh um that there is a need for the product which is always good now, a lot of this going to China, is that right? You know, it's obviously being led very strongly by China, and, uh, um, you know, the vast, vast majority of it uh, is there. Some some other sales, but uh, for the most part, uh, the new crop in particular is uh, all China. So we're, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about markets buying acres, and you talked about the acres planted to sorghum expected to be up this year do you think it could be up even more than what you're expecting well you know i i think the demand continues to pull but uh you know demand is strong for soybeans and and corn as well and and so cotton and so certainly there's a competition for acres there you know the one unknown and i'm sure y'all are starting to talk about it and uh you know everybody always exaggerates it but obviously we're watching these temperatures uh this week and uh um, you know, lots of wheat acres that are potentially vulnerable that could certainly have an impact on, on our acres as well, depending upon what happens over the next few days. Yeah, this uh, this next this week coming up could be uh, make the change in some plans. We'll watch and see. We're talking with Tim Luss, CEO of the National Sorghum Producers. So I want to talk more about these numbers. New crop purchases of U.S. sorghum at this point in the marketing year at a record level, 40 million bushels 
a 264% increase from the previous record set in 2014. That Those are just amazing numbers, Tim. Well, you know, when you look at overall bushels, a lot of commodities will say, well, that's not that much. But sorghum's not a crop that is, is traditionally pre-sold, uh, maybe like corn or beans are. And so certainly from our industry standpoint, uh, as the percentages show, uh, you know, very significant in terms of, of what it means and, uh, you know, just continues to, to help on, um, you know, really send the message. Certainly, you know, plantings are already done throughout, uh, you know, from South Texas all the way up through the Dallas area, but uh, a lot of decisions to still be made and final decisions to be made and double crop decisions to be made as we roll into the next few months. And so uh, continuing to, to send a really strong message in terms of, of bidding for those acres. Certainly welcome news to see that kind of business and the price uh, uh, rise that goes along with it. I mean... We've kind of been waiting some time for these kind of, uh, maybe this is even beyond expectations to have all this happen right now. You know, I mean, it is. I mean, from a from a basis standpoint, certainly it's been a challenge for some of our strong domestic end users that have historically been a, a really strong and important customers for us. Um, but it uh, certainly is one that from the grower level, uh, you certainly appreciate the demand and uh you know, certainly there's some logistics items that are that are part of some of this, too, that are in our favor right now, too, is uh, some of the logistics around the country and around the world are, are a bit messed up. Well, certainly that's been very helpful some as well. But let's talk about uh, conditions. Um, you mentioned uh, the cold, the snow in places for this week is a concern, but you have how much of uh, the sorghum uh, crop producing area is in in an area that's uh, really dealing with dry weather drought concerns well um you know the western quarter of it for sure is is in real trouble and um luckily we did get some rains in the rio grande valley and and south texas uh over the weekend not not general uh but certainly some and some areas got a really nice rain so that that helped a little bit where our crops going obviously as you get into Eastern New Mexico, Texas Panhandle, uh, Oklahoma Panhandle, Eastern Colorado, Western Kansas, really extremely dry conditions and some real challenges in those areas. Get into central Kansas in a lot lot better shape as we get uh, a little further east. We're hoping to see a continued increase as economy the economy opens back up, people get it back out on the road, driving more. Uh, that would increase fuel demand, ethanol demand. That's important to your industry as well, isn't it? You know, it really is. It's just the underpinning for the entire uh, domestic market and uh, the underpinning for everything that starts in those communities and the ethanol industries have a tough time. And, uh, you know, one of the few segments that uh, just has not really received any government assistance during this time. And, uh, um, you know, very unfortunate situation there for something that is so critical to uh, rural America and the agriculture economy. And uh, certainly been a little better now and, and seeing some pickup in, in driving. And we're just very hopeful going forward for that. It's, it's very needed, uh, very important to all of U.S. agriculture and the stability of U.S. agriculture. Yeah, if you can get a pickup in domestic demand to go along with what we're seeing in the, uh, the export demand, 
things could really keep booming for a while. But as even as it is right now, things are looking pretty good for the sorghum industry. Tim, thanks for the update. Thank you. Tim Luss, CEO of the National Sorghum Producers. Uh, some good news to talk about there. All right, coming up tomorrow, uh, we'll talk more about this weather and concerns about uh, early planted crops and crop conditions. Uh, where we stand with that. Also, the renewable fuels industry is calling for a national low-carbon fuel standard. We'll get some details on that as well. Hope you'll join us on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.